0: welcome to the temple of blair episode v this is probably the closing chapter to my obsession with the great cat it's a conversation with the great cat's bassist for the worship me or die period tom von doom uh this is an absolute corker for me it there's so much laughing upon review when I was doing the edit. Tom is the head of post-production at Cinema Libre Studio over in Los Angeles. I never asked if Tom's experience with the great cat led him into a completely separate industry altogether. Uh, regardless, he's not in a the minute, but I do recommend you go and follow him on Facebook and all the, uh, the socials and stuff. He's an extremely, extremely nice dude, and you'll come across in this interview where uh, he basically tells us the story of how he got to know the cat... Uh, how he got in the band's experience with Worship Me or Die, really is a good laid-back conversation. So uh, thanks again, Tom, for giving me your time. It's been fun as hell learning uh, your side of the story from you, so thanks for that. Without further ado, let's jump straight in. One, two, fuck shit up.
1: Aha! (laughs) (laughs) We did it yo oh my god
2: how you doing me <laughs> i'm
1: doing great how are you?
2: <laughs> yeah not too bad so not too bad um yeah i knew i caught you in the, the middle of your work day so i was just like oh, i'll make a cup of coffee i'll um do a working bit.
1: Nowadays.
2: yeah yeah man <laughs> thanks very much for taking the time and responding my to pleasure. my facebook stuff out of the blue um <laughs> i think the best we could think we can do is take this chronologically because there's no Sure. Find a way for it. Yeah. So how did how did you end up meeting Kat? How did this all come about? I uh
1: I answered a classified ad in the village voice looking yeah. for a bass player <laughs> <laughs> and uh got sucked into cat's world.
2: Uh, right
1: it was uh yeah, she was just looking for musicians.
2: Did she specify her background, Was she like, I will not accept anything less than a certain standard of basis?
1: I don't remember specifically what was in the ad. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think it was as uh, uh, cat-like <laughs> as as she became because she would have scared everybody off, yeah. um, and she was trying to legitimately get people to play with her. Mm. Um, and you know, I auditioned and I got the gig. Uh, I I had you know some good credentials. Mm-hmm. And I could play, uh, but a lot of it was also if you could hang with Cat, you know, <laughs> if you could just get into the groove with her and and uh, you know be be present with her thing you know yeah. her just big personality and and go along with it and
2: i was like yeah sure sure and was was adam in the band we,
1: you know we, we got along we got along great
2: yeah yeah you had we had to be if you were with her for four years right
1: oh no it wasn't that long uh maybe a year and a half really was it was they, uh, yeah. It was the first record and the first music video.
0: Were you not on uh-huh. Beethoven on Speed? No. Really? Oh,
2: I was. You're listed nope. on it. Nope. Am I? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That uh, funny. I'm gonna, I'm yeah, no, it. I
1: didn't play on that at all. I wonder who that is. <laughs> <laughs> probably. It was probably just cat.
2: You know what? That, that sounds quite likely, actually. No, you, yeah. you on it on the. I think it was the Metal Archives. I'm gonna double check huh, that. Interesting. That is interesting, isn't
1: That's it? That's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, what the hell? I'll take it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Yourself, yourself, and Adam are on there. Um, was Adam part of the band at this time when you when you first joined, or was that a? a... Nope. Adam, we
1: we had a very Spinal Tap rotating drummer situation. <laughs> you know every other week we had a new drummer yeah uh we actually we did some very serious searching for a drummer for the record mm-hmm. interviewed a lot of people uh interviewed uh greg Bissonette mm-hmm. from uh david lee roth's band uh we interviewed uh the drummer from white lion oh, what was his name uh maybe it'll come to me. Uh we interviewed the drum the the drummer from Slayer, the fill-in drummer at the time. It was uh Foster. Tony Scaglione oh, right, okay. from Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Uh and he was playing with Slayer at the time. Uh we and he, he went on to play with some some good friends of mine called called uh, Raging Slab, right. which was yeah. a great band in the in the 80s part of the New York metal scene. Uh, it, you know, and we were just trying to get anybody who thought they could play the parts, did, you did, know, to Tad come in did, and
2: play Tad Lager, Did Tad Lager play for him for, for, for Cat at some point? Tad from Toxic?
1: Uh, he may have later, not when I was... I, I could also be forgetting. I mean, yeah, there were so don't. many...
2: Yeah, he's listening uh, again on Matt Larkhouse, but I've got a friend who knows him, and he said, "Oh, it's fake that." And I was like, "Oh, maybe he was just interviewed or something like that."
1: But yeah, that. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked to lots of people, but wound up going with Adam, and Adam sort of came in at the last minute, mm. out of the out of the blue. Again, just I think he answered and had, um, or was recommended by somebody. I, I don't remember specifically. Yeah, uh, but he was really one of the only drummers who came in and played and could could keep up. You know, the <laughs> parts are hard. <laughs> you know, they're fast and they're aggressive. And was that was uh, that the
2: deal with the with the other drummers you interviewed? They just it was was it a speed thing or was it a personality or was it a mixture of the two? Well,
1: there was both. You know, I mean, if you could, if you were capable of playing those parts, you know, if you were that good. You had an ego. So, you know, there's (laughs) there's not room in the band for two massive egos. Uh, But, you know, Adam was very personable. And, you know, of course he had an ego, but he he was, uh, you know, he was fun to to hang out with. Hmm. Um, You know there were a lot of guys who came in and played for a few weeks and we learned all the parts and we got through everything. And, and Kat was a taskmaster. She was very hard on, <laughs> on the musicians and it's like, fair enough, you know, it like world-class musicianship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, a lot of rock musicians are not used to that sort of mm-hmm. classical yeah, world level of, of pressure. Yeah, uh, so they you know they couldn't hang with it.
2: <laughs> How did you end up? Um, now I've got a story from Steve Ricardo from Ro- Roadrunner on this one, but is it true that you initially sent a tape to I can't remember what the label was when he was working there? Christ, it wasn't Roadrunner; it was the pre his predecessor to Roadrunner. It was a West Coast label, whatever it was. Uh, but either way, Steve liked it. But he didn't mm-hmm. But he didn't send a rejection postcard. He said, this is great, but I don't think it's right for this label at this point, but I'm going to keep tabs on you. And on the strength mm-hmm. of that, you guys flew out to LA <laughs> and to see him. That was before I was in the band. Right. Yeah, Perfect. <laughs> no, that, that was fine then. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, they had, uh, there were a couple of guys who played with her and did an EP with Kat before yeah. I joined. Satan which says. I think was released on Roadrunner.
2: I'm gonna check. I'm not sure. Death Records Inc. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, it so I may have it just been
1: Cat's, you know, personal release, uh, but it, it, you know, it helped generate excitement for the project. And,
2: yeah. The catalog uh, ID for that EP is K666. So I suggest that. <laughs> <get> <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> awesome. How did they... um? So what was from from your perspective then? When did the Roadrunner gig come about? Or were you sat? With, was it with Cat Sign? It was like,
1: already the, the relationship was already established by the right, time yeah, I joined yeah. the band. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the guys from from Roadrunner were coming down to rehearsals and listening to what we were doing and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, checking in with us, you know, yeah. weekly, you know, as we got ready to record. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I was in the band maybe six months before we did the recording, so there. Oh. That's you know at
2: least six drummers. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you attend the um the signing party? You know, uh, probably a bebop's on in New York. Um, right yeah that was that's quite a famous party from my my research just because I think I, I don't know if it was Bob that did the photos at the party, mm-hmm. but there are some good photos, and a lot of it is with Steve Ricardo and Kat just sort of like smoozing around and, <laughs> and being crazy kids um, but there's some yeah. Kate vessels who's the owner of Roadrunner and he's a he's a, yeah he's a rarely photographed individual, so I, it's just yeah it's yeah a, yeah it's so called cool. one of the things yeah, I probably big big met big him once. <laughs> yeah. what did he make of him in that that's more than what some people more times than some people met him so what was your impression Right. Yeah. he he, uh,
1: he was very you know he, he was intense yeah. you know he had a sort of intense personality you know he wasn't wasn't like friendly and gregarious mm. <laughs> but he you know he was uh, he was nice yeah yeah uh, you know, we didn't didn't hang out drinking or anything. Yeah, yeah. I think
2: like, the it, I think the relationship between Case and the bands are well. The, the bands are the asset. The bands aren't people. Right. The bands are assets. Yeah. It, 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 it was it was all business. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you go into the studio with um, Kurt Shaw. Well, actually, you go into the studio with someone else, and they get sacked two days. Yes, <laughs> Carrot Faye. Who was that? Carrot Fay. Carrot Fay.
1: Carrot. Carrot Fay was the original producer. Can you spell the first uh, name? He produced Megadeth's first record. Ah. <laughs> All right. <Yeah.
2: laughs> okay, right, right. Okay. Now we're getting to the real information. <laughs> there's no, there's, we're getting to stuff I'm not, I don't know because I know um, Kurt oh, was yeah. like, I think it was Kurt's studio, and his sort uh, of recollection was I just heard a load of shouting. And then Kurt came, yeah. Kurt came bursting through the door <laughs> and said, Kurt, I respect you, you do the producing. Right, it. yeah, it was uh character. Of- yeah,
1: Carrot was a character. Um, he, uh, you know, he may may have done a good job producing the record or not. I, I don't know about that. He was a party guy. You yeah. know, we hung out you know, drinking and partying more than talking about, you know, what kind of recording mics we were going to use. Yeah uh and uh but great guy great yeah i i I probably talked to him maybe 10 years ago
2: yeah
1: he was he was living in indianapolis or something where he was from Mm.
2: just somewhere in the middle of the usa how did he how did he get the sack then was that just because it was a personality Um, clash and chairs were thrown yep yep
1: is <laughs> you know, it's either you're either you're on the cat bandwagon or you're not.
2: Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, when when you go into to,
1: to you know, and eventually everyone gets pushed to the point where they're like, "Fuck it, yeah, yeah. I don't need this." <laughs> and you know if you're if you're at that point,
2: and that's it. <laughs> the cat's done with you. Yeah. Yep. Um, what should you know? die was in terms of like. The overall aesthetic for Kat is quite interesting because it starts out, BDSM, large, it's largely sexually driven, the imagery. And then when you go over to Beethoven on speed, she's been given a steer to really play onto to the Juilliard background. But Worship yeah. Me or Die, it's easier to describe what that album isn't rather than what it is. Because it is mm-hmm. fast and it is brutal, but there's also, there's, it is shreddy as far as like the guitar is concerned, but you can see... When you, when you know Kat in the context of her now, in terms of like the Juilliard background, it makes a lot more sense as to like how that album was developed. So was there a, didn't Cat go in with a mission statement? I guess is the overall question I've got about that album.
1: Uh, it's interesting, there, there was a, uh, if you listen to like the first EP, mm-hmm. compared to Worship Me or Die, the music arrangements are different. And I like to think it's because of my influence. Uh, But on the EP, everything was as fast as possible. All the drums are like... And when I came into the band, I was like, let's try and groove a little. And Mm -hmm. let's do some slower things like on Metal Messiah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't doing anything like that. Before I was yeah. in the band, so yeah, yeah, I, I feel like taking credit for that. Uh, <laughs> but then, like you said, Beethoven on speed was much more classically influenced, and I think went back in that direction of you know very staccato, fast,
2: sort of yeah. one note
1: arrangements. Which is cool because I like. Whereas that. I was trying to bring in different tempos and different yeah
2: different grooves and things. The appeal for me is the guitar aspect, just like going, going down the line and going, this is a guitar arrangement of Beethoven. Because you don't get right. that. There's, there's Ingvar Malmsteen, who is neoclassical, but he's not neoclassical. He's harmonic minor virtuoso. That's a different thing. Right. You'd yeah, he's not... still a blues guitar player. Yeah, totally, totally. It's interesting to say that. Whereas Kat uh, is playing violin on guitar. Yeah. That's exactly what Kurt said as well. Exactly. Almost word for word. Um, so as someone <laughs> like yeah I mean on the beta on the speed so era we'll call it an era um, all the press stuff and all the TV appearances she's just screaming about just bridging the gap between classical and metal and it's like ah right that's exactly what I wanted when I was learning to play guitar I wanted someone to mm-hmm. be able to like bridge that gap for me and I didn't get it I just had a harmonic minor arpeggios from Malmstein, which is all good well well and good but you know it's not quite it's not quite uh, not quite what I was asking for so it's just, to me, it's interesting that she never got the limelight she probably deserved in that respect. Um, I think there's still a place for a really, at the table, when people are sort of like growing into their own musicianship and going, all right, well, who, what are the influences there? You got all the fast guitarists, you got the groove guitarists, you got this, you got that, what Cat should really be there, in my opinion. Um, but she isn't. She's doing fucking cooking shows on YouTube. Right. <laughs> well, like, I, you know. The, for whatever
1: reason, you know, she concocted this big persona mm. to promote herself. And then mm. I don't know if she did herself any favors by being so confrontational and aggressive. And yeah, she, I think, you know, she, she definitely should be recognized more for her talent. But, you know, I, if nothing no matter else, what she, you think about her, she is an incredibly talented
2: um, yeah. musician. This is the thing. I mean I think the way I like to phrase it is we're living in a post liam Gallagher world, which which is my way of saying <laughs> you're allowed to you're allowed to be an absolute swat if you bring the goods <laughs> and cat. Right. And but she transversed those eras. So I guess yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe she came she was up. a little before her time. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um but in, in terms of where my blind spot is, it seems to be between Worship, Me and Die, and Me and Die, and the um, Beethoven on Speed bit. that's There's some point in those three years where someone, it might have been Monty Connor from Roadrunner at the time, it might have been <laughs> wherever. Some, somewhere she took a, a left turn because Worship, Me and Die is kind of, as it, it's more sexually driven. It's, it feels more about female empowerment more than it does... Metal for metal's yeah. sake. If that I mean,
1: sense. she she was she was very influenced by that. You know, mm. th- besides music, she mm. felt that you know she she wanted to do metal mm. because of its relationship to classical music. But she yeah. also felt uh, you know constrained by you know those society's rules about loud women <laughs> and you know being being aggressive and out and and uh so there was definitely some of that you know it wasn't just music that influenced yeah. her
2: definitely definitely it's um how do i how, how do i it's, it's, i just find it her entire story is just interesting there's that there's there's that sort of there's that perspective and it, it kind of plays further down the line as well as there's, there's an appearance she makes on the the Martin Downey Jr. show, which I don't know. I was there. Were you on that bit? <laughs> I a, was. Tell me everything. <laughs> I was in the audience. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep.
1: What, uh, what was year was this then?
2: 87? Right, it must have been. It must be part of the, the press cycle, right? That must yeah. have been set up by yeah. Steve or Holly. Yeah,
1: it was after. after the record, I think, and mm. when the record had just come, come out. Maybe before we did the music video. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, that was Morton Downey's thing. It was, you know, was push tricky. people until they until they broke and then throw them off the show. And that was certainly why he had Cat on there and what everyone expected to happen, you know, was the two of them to fight and yeah, we'd get thrown the, off. The, the, the But what I tell, I'll tell you what I, what surprised me was they threw us off the show and yeah. out of the building. <laughs> like, I thought we'd just go back to the green room and hang. But no, they're like, out the front door. Do not come back inside. Hey, man, it was like, if, if you... I don't know if that was just because of cat or, or that was the normal way they treated <laughs> guests. They threw up the show, but
2: uh, the, the point I, I was, thought it was... The, the link I was going to make was... Um... On, the, on that bitch, you can see that she's getting not she's not getting overwhelmed by everyone shouting at her. She's not. She's still holding her own, but she's understanding that she hasn't got the floor. And no one's let, get, letting her get the floor, and she punches right. through and sort of goes. The re- I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was basically the reason you're hiding behind that cigarette is because you're scared of powerful women like me. That was kind of the, <laughs> and that was what I'm referring to when I'm saying like that seems to be the that seems to be one of the one of the driving forces and it's so looking back on it now and going you know that's that stuff's gonna kill you and you don't know how to handle people fuck it. and then obviously she gets yeah. marched off she gets her marching on yeah and he did not survive that ordeal with the, <laughs> um with the cigarettes so not saying yeah. poetic justice yeah. and just saying fucking hell she definitely was before her time man What? Uh, well she her what's that was Bob with you that day, Mister Gruen? Uh, I don't think so. He said that um, they got a car over, or they got the bus over, or something like that. And then Kat stopped and got a load of candy because she wasn't a drugs person, but she did hop herself up on the sugar before she went on, on the show. But did Bob say he was on the show? He said he said that he went with her for moral support, but there was some contention but over. They, maybe um, he was there. I mean, that was a. It was 30. thirty-five years ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, it's possible.
2: It, yeah, well, in, in my chat with him, we also say, "Was it Martin Downey Jr.?" And he was like speaking to his, who and I think it was his missus who who was obviously there at the time as well. Like, oh, which show was it we went on? And they seemed to think it was Martin Downey Junior. Could have been any, but yeah, it, it, apparently he went with her for like moral support, and similar to um, presumably why you were there as well, and. um yeah, right. that, that was her way of getting geared up, was to just shovel candy into her face, Then <laughs> <And> go on
1: <at laughs> Yeah, well, she, was, she wasn't going to do drugs or, or alcohol, so. Yeah. yeah. She, she needed something. Definitely. To get pumped up.
2: No, I, think it's, I just think it's really, I, it, I don't even know. I don't, there's so many things to pull. There's so many threads to pull with Kat. There's so many. In your yeah. experience with it, was, was it a character? Or was it? Or was she kind of through and through that person? Was was she asking uh, to be worshipped because the the character demanded it? Or was there a was there an inner need for that to be satisfied?
1: Um, they're both. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the great cat was sort of a character that she created. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that you probably won't hear from a lot of people is how influential her mother was. Uh, her mother was a very powerful, forceful woman who, uh, you know, she was sort of the behind the scenes.
2: Right. Uh, Tell me everything about this because this is, this is something else.
1: She was very interesting. About. She's like, she, you know, she would say, Tom, I know how to create
2: geniuses. Stick with us. We'll make you will make you rich and famous. Was she Brit? <laughs> was she British? Her mum. A- she was Mexican. Mexican. Okay, and it was just cat yes. that was born in the UK. Just right, by- and her dad. Her dad
1: was Syrian. Right. Okay. Something like that, um, but they were. Uh, uh, he he did public relations. He had a big public relations company. And uh-huh. She helped him with that. It's all coming, uh, it's
2: all coming together.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's very good. interesting. But her mom, her mom was there all the time. Yeah, like you know, rehearsals and 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 you know, record company meetings and everything. Um, and you know, but me and my friends every. Who had experience with the music industry and the film industry, mm-hmm. you know, would try and sort of help them. Like, this is our experience, and this is how we, uh, you know, deal with these situations. Yeah, but they they had their own ideas
2: about <laughs> interacting with with people. They raised a Juilliard grudge so I guess there's some merit there. I, I guess. Fair enough, fair yeah.
1: enough <laughs> as Cat as used to call it the jail yard. Oh really? <laughs> yeah yeah the jail team. yard.
0: She I had some see. interesting
1: yeah. stories about uh, going there like in the practice rooms, they would have pianos. but so the legend was that some students would go in there and stick razor blades in between the keys. To eliminate the competition. <laughs> so if you were in there in the practice room, you had to be very careful. Uh I have no idea if that's true, but that was that was one of the stories.
2: <laughs> I do find it interesting yeah. that she, she obviously her background was um in classical music and she did profess to that into you know, I think I think she did a concert for the mayor of New York at the time. She went on a couple of tours. But I guess like, I I I'd love to. I'd love to understand like why she turned to metal. I think the, the the word is that she heard a Jewish priest song, and that sort of like clicked in her head. In my head, yeah, all-
1: she was she was more
2: disillusioned with the
1: the world of classical music. Mm. Uh, you know, she wanted she was a soloist. Yeah, and she wanted to play you know violin solos with orchestras at that time. There were no positions available for female violin virtuosos. Yeah. You know, it was all guys mm. playing playing the solos and orchestras. And she, you know, she couldn't break in. And you know, she was certainly good enough. Mm. You know, it was, it was definitely uh, you know, gender-based. Yeah. And she did hear you know, Judas Priest one day and was like, what is that? That sounds like opera. And she started to explore it. And she's like, this is my way mm-hmm. into the music world. Mm. You know, I'm going to do this new thing.
2: I guess one uh, question which you might, um, you might not know is between discovering metal and forming the band, how long has she actually been playing guitar? It'd be interesting to know how transferable the violin skills are to guitar.
1: Not as long as you would think mm. <laughs> uh, you know when i when I joined the band that she'd been playing
2: three years Jesus she well yeah
0: man that's crazy yeah. that's cr- in my head kind of anyway yeah, you, I should was- have,
1: you should have heard her pl- practice violin mm. <laughs> you know she play you know she practice guitar all the time, but you know when she broke out her violin. I was just like, "Oh my god, so amazing!" <laughs>
2: yeah. In my, yeah, I, I, yeah,
1: yeah, I was always in awe of her ability.
2: Yeah, man. I, I, when I, um, in my head kind of, when I sort of read, oh, the Jewish priest thing, and the Julia thing, I thought, all oh, right, you know what? You probably have a good chance of making money as a metal musician, as much chance as you would being a concert, you know, um, virtuoso. You know, it is. You might, if you've got the option between the two. If you're already getting the concert gig, the the um, orchestra gigs, I know you're saying that there right. weren't any vacancies, but she she did do, she had some under her belt. Why not as a side right. gig, try and do the metal thing and just see if I can make something of it? And obviously, she, right, she's still doing it, so it must it has got to a. If you if well, you make, did obviously it had some effect on her. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just wondering like if 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 you were to quantify Cat's success, you'd uh, you'd look at the average soloist salary. Versus whatever cats yeah. raking in, which she presumably still doing, if she's yeah. If my Facebook feed is anything to go by, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I, you know, a, the the world class violin soloists who you know make uh, a decent living, you know, one hand. Uh, you know, whereas a rock musician can make an okay living, yeah. You know, doing doing mediocre level, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sales, uh, yeah. So it's it was an easy an easy
2: calculation
1: to make, I think, for her.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Are you Bob familiar Rowe with her
1: sister? No, give me tell me everything. <laughs> she has an older sister who's an uh, opera singer, uh, also went to Juilliard, uh, and is now her manager, I believe. Right. It's all coming together. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> she, she took over their father's PR firm oh. when, when he died, I guess, and, mm. uh, and then she became Kat's manager. That's it. Uh, That's it. You yeah. know
2: why? Because I thought
1: she's very normal. She's like not loud, not crazy. You know, <laughs> when, very, when I, very different from Kat.
2: Yeah, yeah. When, when, I, I did, when I did the email interview with Kat. and then um, as as a result, I got added to the, the PR mailing list. And obviously, it, it's Thomas PR, um, and obviously, yeah. I get the great Cat emails. And I was thinking, like, what. Because I, I, when I was trying to pull together like the script for like the mini doc, I'm thinking like, is obviously we've got the character of the cat. She's very busy on social media and she does generate a lot of like content in terms of she clearly got like a studio in the corner. She's got people around her who help her with her projects. Is she got a proper job on the side? That's my, that's what I'm thinking. And then when I get these emails from Thomas PR, <laughs> I'm I'm seeing um, who I won't name her for. Yeah, the sake um, I'm seeing the person who responsible for the PR, and I'm looking at Kat, I'm looking at her, I'm looking at Kat, and going, that's cat. I'm thinking it's cat. I'm thinking Cat's got a side <laughs> job of doing PR. Because he Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, if you look at the interviews in the nineties, right? Um, you, uh-huh. you've set me off, mate. You've set me off. <laughs> if you look at the interview <laughs> you look at the interviews, she's sitting down, she's talking to these dudes about like Bill Gates and Microsoft and the world of computers and obviously she brought up one of her albums a follow-up which was like cyberspeed beethoven or whatever it was called Mm -hmm. it was like a cd-rom experience for windows 95 and all that wonderful stuff from that heyday and um then it sort of hit me because the pr firm it's it seems to focus on it and i'm like oh that's what cat must have done she must have been doing the music on the side <laughs> and then she go over and she do PR for IT because she knows I would do it. But now you're telling me that's not the case. And the great cat is, is being great is a full-time fucking job. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, Good. it is.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, uh, yep. fair and, enough. and her whole family was behind her. You know, her, her parents and her sister. And mm.
2: yeah, she had I lots of support. That's a musical family, right? So I guess that's, that's the that's the link in the chain between the two. If it's a musical family, then the you know all the empathy yeah. towards each other. It's like, well, Cap, you might not have been Ingver Malmsteen, but you certainly <laughs> did. You, you're raking in dough with these branded panties which you're selling. So if that knocks the mortgage <laughs> down, then just knock yourself out. Yep. That's so yep. crazy. That's insane. That is insane. I can't believe it. I knew that she had a sister and I knew that she was level-headed, courtesy of Kurt. Kurt told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means a lot more now.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's funny.
2: that's, that's, that's it's blown good. my mind, man. Blown my <laughs> mind. All the secrets. The <laughs> se- secret info. How the sausage is made. <laughs> right. Yes. I can't remember where I was going with that at all. I've been completely knocked <laughs> off track now, but I'm going out holding the golden egg of, uh, of knowledge now.
1: I, I think we went down the Morton Downey Jr. rabbit hole and somehow wound up
2: there. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking. I was going to talk about the the label, wasn't I? In terms of like um, the, sure. the the interest. So obviously, at the time, it was Steve Ricardo and Ho- Holly Lane. Um, they would the Holly. Two- yes. Rest in Holly- peace. Holly was our
1: main our main contact.
2: Really? Ah, I thought it yeah. might have been I think it was Steve that must have signed Kat and then it must have been Holly picking it up from uh, actually you know what? Steve left. Yeah. Before the album came out. That was what happens. Yeah. That might yeah, that might be
1: it. Because I remember seeing Holly all the time and Monty. Uh uh Steve. Yeah, I don't remember Steve that much.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the time is done out of that for 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 Steve that much. But what was your experience with Holly then? Because obviously she passed away in June. So I'm, I'm trying to Oh
1: really? Oh, that's too bad.
2: Yeah, it's, um, she's, it's, it's interesting because she passed away in June and I started like reading for this project a few months after. And it's like, oh man, I've got to ask everyone about Holly now because everyone's grieving still because not a lot is known about how wow. she passed. Or yeah. Obviously, a lot of people either hadn't spoken for years or they spoke to her the week before. There seems to be in, in this particular industry that everyone's on everyone's phones, as in like everyone's contacts are on everyone's phones and everyone is very accessible. Mm-hmm. So when she passed, I think the wounds are still very raw. And for me, my only analogy I've got is they dug up Richard III in a car park in Leicester, and as a as a country, we all start went, like, "That's interesting because that's really important <laughs> to our in our history." I didn't sure. know Holly, so now I'm reading all this stuff about her. It's kind of like, oh, well, right. she's really critical to this entire process, and, and that knowledge is oh, well, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah man. She was a sweetheart.
1: Uh, yeah, I remember Holly very fondly. Mm. Uh, and, you know, very supportive of, of the band. And, uh, you know, she was definitely somebody at the label that we could count on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she Of anybody there, she was at probably the most band rehearsals and, and you know,
2: record yeah. company meetings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When you turned in the first mixes for... Worship me and I. Was there any contention with that or with the label? Like, yep, yeah, sounds good, put it out.
1: Yeah, no, there wasn't a whole lot of, of back and forth with the label. They were happy with what, what we did. I mean, mm. you know, later, years later, a lot of, uh, you know, I would read online sort of some criticism about the mix that it's not heavy enough or, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I don't know, maybe. That was also part of my influence that i was coming from a rock background mm. more than a you know straight ahead speed metal background uh so you know i don't know
2: it, i've not heard anything bad about the mix to be fair um okay you know, that, yeah yeah you know, i i
1: take it personally because i was involved but
2: uh, <laughs> uh I, I that was um
1: there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth, you know. We just submitted it, and they were like, "Yeah, fine,
2: cool, very cool." I suppose. <laughs> Did you get to meet Monty then? Because you yeah. you mentioned his name, in a couple. Yeah, of weeks yeah, ago. Yep. So you must have been. You must have met yeah, with- Monty. I remember Monty uh,
1: more than Steve. Um, Monty was was you know sort of the the face of Roadrunner at the time, really. Yeah because like you said case was never never available (laughs) for for meetings
2: yeah i mean um he was too busy trying to pull the strings on a more macro level it's interesting especially in the early 90s -hmm. what the what the label ends up doing all he's trying to do um like when tried didn't they sign nickelback well yeah this is the thing (laughs) that that arm of, of roadrunner was Late nineties, early two thousands, and it was like that's that's Great. not the Monty Connors of the world. That's a guy called Ron Berman. All his bands <laughs> have like a particular sort of like thread in the, in the same vein of like they're all sort of hard rock, Nickelback, post grungy stuff. But it's the early nineties, they mm-hmm. start acquiring smaller labels and um, working in like alt rock and um, one thing I like right. I, call, I call it bronze core. If you've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because all the bands that they start putting out would have suited playing the bronze at the time. And right. <laughs> point moving away from metal and something more conventional. And I think the idea is they wanted to be a big major label. Obviously, an indie label, but a major label. Sure. Um, yeah. That 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 part of the journey is pretty interesting. Um, that's what Case was trying to orchestrate in his acquisitions, and I think that's what that's the CT static mm-hmm. for that time. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah the, like, Monty was. Fairly you know, it was visible and around a lot. Uh um, Holly. We we had a lot of meetings about the music video that I was that I was personally involved in because I was I was also a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So uh I had a lot of friends who were filmmakers and I was mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, various people involved in our music video. Um you know, as much as I could. Mm. And we had lots of meetings with uh, with Monty about money, and usually it was like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to spend that much money." <laughs> I was like, "I got these guys; they directed the the video for uh, this great new band. Uh, what the hell with the hands inside the puppet head?" <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, and he's like. It, yeah, we could do a great video for twenty thousand dollars. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not even close.
2: That's the road to Rambo. We
1: we eventually found somebody to do it for five thousand. That was the the Metal Messiah video. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we were on a, a stage.
2: Yeah, yeah, surrounded by the. Um... The Worshippers. Rabid which, fans. Which I think was, a, it became a, um, I don't know if it was a live staple, but of the, of the live shows I've seen, eventually, um, you'd get the guys on stage and they'd all do that oh, when I can't. Getting a bunch yeah. licked and all that fucking stuff. That's mad. You'd never have that these yeah. days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely uh, an interesting thing. And of was always she was trying to get the band to worship her as well as the fans there was there was some tension
2: about that yeah yeah
1: which is why people kept quitting uh, yeah it's like we're in the band
2: they should worship us too yeah
1: that was not that was not cats idea
2: so let's um let's now plot our route from the album into the album cycle the touring cycle or whatever happened to you leaving the band this is now, for me, a blind spot.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we did... Well, by the time we did the music video, there was a different drummer. Okay. So the drummer in the music video is not Adam Killa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different guy named Rob Banks, yeah. who, who was a great drummer, but, uh, you know, again, didn't last that long.
0: Right. Lasted long
1: enough to make the music video, and then went off to greener pastures. Um, so we were talking about putting a tour together mm-hmm. but we just couldn't keep a drummer in the band <laughs> um, and I I had made friends with one of the guys who auditioned for the band but didn't make the band mm-hmm. a guy named Todd. And Todd and I just got to be friends and we started playing together. Uh, and I had another friend who was a you know, great guitar player who I later went on to play in several bands with. And we just started rehearsing together and Kat heard about it. Mm-hmm. And she was oh, no. disapproving. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you can't play with other people. I'm like. Of course I can. What are you talking about? Uh, and uh, she was like, "If you don't, if you don't stop playing with those people, you're out of the band." I'm like, "I'm out of the band." Click. Oh, dear. <laughs> that was it. I was, you know, it's like if we're not gonna play, mm. there's no band to be in. You know, like there was no drummer, there were no rehearsals. You know, there yeah. no solid dates. So at that point, I was like, I'm looking for my next
2: gig.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're a working musician at this point, or are you Are you holding down on yeah. job at
2: the same time? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so obviously it's a gig. It kind of, I, I always did. Uh, I worked on uh,
1: uh, movie sets as a PA, you know, back in those days, yeah. uh, which was a pretty good gig. Mm-hmm. Paid well, and you could, you know, work several days a month and mm-hmm. make your rent, <laughs> spend the rest of the time playing yeah um so there were there were a bunch of guys who did that that were you know rock and roll guys who were also uh part of the crew on music videos
0: right yeah
1: yeah in the 80s (laughs) the golden
2: era of music videos have you um have you been in touch with cap since what's that have you been in touch with cap since that time
1: um i believe there was like a brief interaction like around two early 2000s about something i don't remember what Mm. uh just like an email interaction like you had that was brief and and business like um It might have been when Facebook was, was happening, and I may have tried to friend her, and she's like, you may join my Facebook fan club, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, come on. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that would, would have been the last time I had any interaction with her. <laughs> Although, you know, I, of course, as you, I check in on her from time to
2: time and see what she's up to, because... She's an interesting person. Well, I've just found out she's not got a second a job. And I now found out that this is what she does. So my checking in on her is now taking a different, uh, slightly different. Right. Job. Yeah.
1: As far as as far as I know, she has never had a job. All she does is play music.
2: Fair enough. If it, if it's um, yeah. i say if it it's good it, work, it, if you can get it. That's it, man. <laughs> if it's knocking those mortgage payments down, then you know, power to her, man. And like this is yeah. the thing, man. It's like. You're told when you're younger, don't comp like there's the, the whole don't compromise argument. Like if you want to do something, go get it and all that stuff. And she just fucking did it. She did it in spades, and she did it for a long time. And um, yeah, I guess that was kind. Of, I don't. I, I, sometimes when I refer to Kat's career, I, I, it's sometimes like I sometimes feel like I'm referring to her as if she, like she's a husband. She's not at all. She's still doing exactly the same thing. And I'm the one that's trying to fight a corner, saying she needs a seat at the table because there's some young guitarists who are lacking this kind of influence. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah, the, the advice is you just got to keep going and keep um, gunning for what you want. But that didn't get her the seat at the table. Oh, absolutely. And she's, the, she's, the, she's the the working example of you got to be able to work with people and compromise and understand empathy. and. Yeah. It's she's an she's an enigma. <laughs>
1: she's an enigma wrapped in a conundrum.
2: I hope I've yes. demonstrated like why I'm interested in this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're you're a guitar
2: player. That's how you got into in, into yeah. Exploring Cat's background. Yeah, yeah, just it, yeah. Like I say, it just ended up. It's just a gap for me. Like some great live footage of her doing one of the uh, Paganini runs. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder if Malmstein did something like that. I put on a Malmstein video and I was just like, fuck is this? It's like comparatively. <laughs> it's like I mean virtuosity is like great if you're into it, right? It's not great if it's at the expense of everything else that's happening on the stage. Um so if you like guitar wankery and um if you like paying five other members of your band 250 quid a gig great if you can afford it but Malmstein could quite easily just go out with a backing track and do what he's doing and probably deliver a better experience for everyone else but cat is like the real fucking deal she's really bridging the gap between those two worlds and I think that's really valuable and it's completely missing from today's sort of lexicon of, um, of music so you know I'm always in the fight corner but the mm-hmm. less learned art you gotta you gotta learn to yeah I wonder you can't go through eight drummers drummers are the hardest ones to find
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who would be even equivalent to cat nowadays. You know, if there is anybody.
2: I'm sure that I'm sure this is the thing. Now we're in like the YouTube age. I think there's plenty of people who are doing that kind of thing, but haven't got the clout, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe they haven't got the, the niche of being cat. I think that's what cat's got going for her at the minute. She cat mm-hmm. is cat. And cat isn't like anyone else. Right. That has, well, I
1: think I think there are you know there are female violinists you know doing their YouTube videos and female guitarists doing their videos. Hmm. I don't know if there's anybody who could do both like Kat does.
2: Well, that's one thing, man. And I, I'm, I'm not sure what the I don't know what the state of female shredding is as well. I don't. She's still she. I think she's still just got enough behind her to bring the goods to the table. I think she just needs to sort of. If it was me, right, if I was, if I was on the phone with her now, I'd say, sort your website out, it's a fucking mess. Sort your Spotify <laughs> out, it's a fucking mess. Get, get all your singles, just move them into one, move them into like a collection, because I need to be able to navigate this stuff. Slow down the PR stuff, because I don't know if you're advertising something that came out yesterday or five years ago. That's, right. that's, that's it for me. I'm, I'm lacking the narrative, but I guess that's probably why, another reason I'm interested in it, because I don't know the narrative. It's not, she's not telling me that the narrative is I'm about to pull right. all former members of the crew the production team of the label to say what happened because I, I can't tell yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what to tell you man it's just um, it's just interesting as hell did she make Dave Mustaine cry that's another question I've got written down <laughs> uh, maybe uh, no, I don't I've been before uh, I've been up to your time.
1: I, I've met, I've met Dave Mustaine a few different times. Uh, yeah. I don't remember if one of them might have been with Cat. Um, my one Dave Mustaine story that I remember is hanging out with him at the Cat Club in New York. Mm. And it was sort of mutual friends. It's like, oh, this is my friend AB. He used to play guitar in Agnostic Front.
0: Mm.
1: And Dave, Dave goes, so what? I used to play guitar in Metallica.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear.
1: Thanks. Thanks, asshole.
2: <laughs> Fuck me. Fucking hell. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's, that's all I've got in terms of the cat. I, mean, I've, I have a couple of questions which um, are sort of completely non-contextual um, if you mm. you'll like to hear them. First of all, um, have you ever seen a ghost?
1: Uh, seen, no, heard, okay. maybe. Oh, great. Tell me everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I grew up in New England, which is full of ha- haunted houses.
2: Uh, yeah, in, in terms of like, if I'm not mistaken, it's just like the oldest part of the country, isn't it? Yes, it's being yeah. being English, I'm, I'm in a unique position to sort of comment. <laughs> That's yes, the English, of yeah. Uh, lots of really
1: old buildings. Uh, one one of the houses that's in my family uh, is pretty old. It's probably 150 years old, which right. is you know decent age for a house. Um, but it is famous for having ghosts, right. and lots of people have seen ghosts there. Uh, and I have at various times lived there or you know spent. A month there in the summer, or whatever. and mm-hmm. One night in particular, there was, you know, was it wind? Was it <laughs> some sort of poltergeist? Is very undetermined. Yeah. But uh, there was a lot of stuff going on upstairs in the house. Doors opening and closing, and uh, you know, mysterious footsteps. And mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. you
1: know, I'm the only one in the house. Yeah, yeah. I was basically on downstairs on the couch with a blanket <laughs> like i'm just gonna go to sleep and try and forget all this yeah. <laughs> uh, That that is the closest i have to a uh
2: to a ghost story cool cool i've been asking everyone it's <laughs> it's ranged from a seat that I, I saw her she was wearing a white gown she was coming down the steps to Yep. No Jim you're off your fucking head stop asking stupid questions. So, well I,
1: I mean a lot of a lot of friends and uh, uh from from the old the old country uh who are also familiar with the house have seen spirits in that house that mm. I you know I know people who are like yeah I saw this woman in uh, you know an old 1900s garb she came in she sat next to me on the bed and she Mm. she comforted me and then she was gone so strange yeah uh, in that house so it's like Mm. other people are definitely experiencing things there
2: one thing i love although
1: to be fair i don't necessarily believe in ghosts but who who knows
2: Mm -hmm. it's it's yeah, I mean, whether you believe it or not, if, if things that happen are unexplained, it always occupies that part of your mind, doesn't it? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, there they go. <laughs> the best one I I heard. Do you remember the, Do you remember a guy called Liam Lynch? Liam Lynch. He did a song about nearly twenty years ago now called "The United States and Whatever." And he was a director for a few music videos. He did the Tenacious D film. That's that. Oh, guy. cool. He did this. Um, he he did a guest spot on a on a podcast with a... with a because he. I, Oh, how do I describe it? he did a podcast and then he said oh yeah I've got an after ghost story for you so I'm going to come back and do that and he did it and it's great and it's 20 minutes of him talking about when he went to, to university in Liverpool in the UK obviously Liverpool is a very very well what you regard old in new England we've got about <laughs> 75 <laughs> 750 years to add on to that um, yes exactly and his story is absolutely fascinating. It's got Freemasons, it's got prostitutes, it's got everything. <laughs> it's got absolutely, I'll send you the link if, if that's your kind of thing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's love great. to see it. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, have you got any bands which you'd like to plug and sort of signal boost? We're not a mass. We haven't got a massive listenership on this podcast, but it will be online in perpetuity, like the intellectual property rights that run and retain of your music.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I don't have a band right now. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to get together with my first band. Oh, cool! The guys that I played with in high school, or whatever you call it in England. Yeah,
2: secondary school, primary
1: school, or whatever. Uh, and you know, we're sort of scheming to maybe try and record a record this year. You know, if the pandemic ever ends. What's driving that then? Uh, is it
2: just that ev- everyone you used to play with still plays and there's no reason not to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's and they're cool. all still musicians and uh, we've all sort of gone our separate ways but mm. kept in touch. And mm. uh, so, you know, maybe maybe six months from now I'll have something to push.
2: Cool, cool. Um, Someone I probably should have asked earlier, any any hard feelings with Cap? Or is it just like, was it just just business of the no. time? Just how it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, like like I described our our last <laughs> our last phone conversation. You know, got everybody got to that point.
2: Yeah, yeah. they're like, all
1: right, I just can't, I can't do this yeah. anymore.
2: That's fine. I think I just wanted to bookend that because I think she watches these whenever there's a great cat related interview. I think she she reposts it and then like quotes from it. So like she'll, she's listening. I don't want <laughs> to think I'm trying to put her in a bad light <laughs> in any way. Nothing, nothing but respect for
1: cat and. Um, very talented individual. I learned so much working yep. with her. No, nothing but love and respect.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blink twice if you're in danger, though. Obviously, I'll <laughs> <laughs> do <what> I can.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh dear! All right, man. I'm, cat, I'm gonna let
1: you... cat call
2: me. Yeah. Call me. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you want to? Is, anything else I missed? I don't think I think we've covered the chronology quite well there, and we've gone into the boots and watches Yeah, got
1: you know got got some good stories in there. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we we spent a few weeks in Philadelphia working on the record. Uh, you know, Adam and Kurt and I would go down to the Jersey Shore and hang out and and drink and not tell cats. Uh, you know he was friends with some of the the philadelphia eagles nfl football team so we would hang out with those guys (laughs) which was fun back back at the time that's a cool Uh, so we had lots of fun making the record yeah Uh, Adam was there basically doing his parts, and as soon as he was done, it's like, go back to New York. Yeah.
2: <gasps> All right, man. Well, I wish you the best, but we'll keep you posted on the goings on. Absolutely. And I owe you Thank a you pint so if I end up your neck of the woods or you end up in my neck of the woods.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, Let's man. hope for the best in the, in the coming year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, thanks very much. I'll, I'll keep in touch.
1: Absolutely. Cheers.
2: Allah razı